This week, on an episode of Tinkerer's Toolbox, we're talking about sword and sorcery. What is it? How do you do it in 5e? And is it even possible? Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello, and welcome to the D&D podcast for everyone, because here we speak common. Uh, this is the D&D podcast brought to you in partnership with the Dice Dungeon, where you can get some very nice premium-made D&D dice with 10% off if you use the code WESPEAKCOMMON at checkout, or follow the link in the description below. It's also brought to you thanks to some very wonderful people who support this show on Patreon. If you want to jump in and get involved with that and see what kind of goodies you can get by getting involved, there is also a link in the description below. Uh, this is the very first episode of Tinker's Toolbox. And I am lovingly joined by my over-the-seas friend, Ray. Hello, Ray. How you doing? How's it going, Dan? I'm doing well. Um, it's, uh, it's a little early here, but other than yeah, that, it's, everything's great. Dragged you out of bed massively early. Um, and even so, even though I thought I was prepared, I've had all number of issues today. So that's fun. I just hope there's a podcast at the end of this. That would be like the, the cherry on top, you know? If anything, it could be like a how not to video, you know? Yeah, except there wouldn't be any video because <laughs> that would be like the, the icing on top, just everything not working. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll slowly but surely struggle along. I just hope I can fix everything before we play D&D tomorrow. That's what I'm really concerned about. Yeah, that's that's the big issue, think, not the podcast. I don't think I could survive another week without finding out what happens next. Oh, my friend, we will be there eventually. There will definitely be a time where we have to have like a good two two-week break or longer we have teachers in our group <laughs> that's true that's a good point people will want vacations and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah. where are you going it turns right out now that... in this world that we live in uh i mean there's lots of places that you could go to that are like fairly remote at least in the states like yeah, um... i suppose you've got different rules to us haven't you yeah well we're not locked down for one and then uh there are lots of kind of locations that don't have a ton of people mm-hmm. or like the one contact that you would have with people is to get into the grocery store to like stock up mm-hmm. for the week and then yeah. well we are in full-on lockdown here and i only go out to work and that's it so <laughs> um so yeah we, we we're not going anywhere on vacation so you, you'll be the one putting us on hold if you want to go away so don't be selfish ray let us play dnd I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll just bring my laptop and tell anyone that I'm on vacation with that. It's like, no, this is... This, this is, is something I still have to do. Yeah, this is part of vacation. More important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Tinker's Toolbox today then is, uh, well, it is a brand new show that is all about the the game side of D&D, I guess, is the best, most like loose way to describe it. So mechanics, rule building, classes, character building, encounters, you know, all that. All that good stuff that is actually the game of D&D. And we had a really good topic suggestion on the We Speak Common Discord, which you can get by being a patron member. There's a lovely little community on there. Ray, you're one of the mods on there. Um, we had, That's correct. We had James on last week. We're doing like a meet the mod team right now. Um, so we had James on last week. We got you on this week. And uh, really quickly, what is your your favorite part of the discord go the on spot my favorite part of the discord uh i i I really do like the suggestions 
that's that's like the crispest mm-hmm. pieces of goodness for me. Um, nice. Like before you asked me to do the topic that we're doing today, I saw it and I was like, that that's a really good topic. Yeah. Really good <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've put it up. So this is a topic by uh, Chairface. That's their Discord name. I do not. I've, I Our, do not know your first for name. Our, for a period of time, uh, they were the patron, right? Yes. They, they stumbled upon the Patreon before anyone was supposed to know about it. Yeah, before I'd launched it officially. Um, and they joined like four or five days before. And I was like, oh, yep. <laughs> hello. There's no- they jumped in and we all were like, <laughs> there's nothing here. <laughs> How did you get here? <laughs> yeah. well, just ignore the man behind the curtain. Um, right. But yeah, so they popped in a, a really nice suggestion. Now, obviously, you can send suggestions for the show anywhere, Twitter, um, by email, uh, but on Reddit, if you find me, it's usually me talking about the podcast. Uh, but if you are on the Discord, there is a specific channel for it, which is the first place I will go to look. So um, this is a really great one. This is Low Fantasy, brackets, Sword and Sorcery in 5e. So Chairface has said, would it even work well in 5e? Would a level cap be needed to maintain the Sword and Sorcery tone? If it's Conan-esque, then what species would be limited limited and how would you maintain variety between players so there's a load of stuff here and i think um to be honest i just want to talk about sword and sorcery in a whole in this episode because i think it's it's something we haven't really touched on before uh back when joe was on the show with me we did talk about some uh lower fantasy settings but we never really jumped into like how it works and the rules and things so that's kind of the whole point of today's episode I think the best place to start is defining sword and sorcery. Would you agree? Yes, okay. and it's going to be challenging. It really is. So I I did a little like Google define sword and sorcery search, and it was like it's fantasy and there's romance. <laughs> I was like, great, thanks. Yeah, there's a lot of debate just about the genre itself, mm. um, where you have a problem where sword and sorcery is useful for like. For discussion like what we're having right now but the genres kind of like blend together uh there's definitely like a gray area in between sword and sorcery and high fantasy and a bunch of other genres and the sword and sorcery purists if you were to take something that looks like sword and sorcery and put it next to like high fantasy you'd be like ah oh, that's sword and sorcery they would be like no 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 that's not sword and sorcery mm-hmm. uh so we we got we got to be very careful not to upset <laughs> the uh the people out there so for me then um you know jumping in willing to upset some people uh my mm. uh my opinion of sorcery, my my image of it is just very low fantasy fantasy so when i think sword and sorcery i think your typical swords and shields warriors knights like the stuff you would find in D D, but magic is very rare um it's it doesn't come up often and when it does it's not explained like if you're reading for me if i were reading a sword and sorcery novel like it would be a low magic system it's not an explained kind of hard magic system um so like gandalf in the lord of the rings he his magic is never really explained in the in the core books like obviously if you go out and explore the extra stuff it is but um as is in lord of the rings he kind of just does some magic and you know you shall not pass and that's it kind of thing 
Yeah, so Lord of the Rings is very high fantasy. Yeah, see, this is this um, is if where talk, the... <laughs> if we're talking genre, yeah. yeah. So, so that's actually the difference between a hard magic system and a soft magic system. Yeah. So, not all soft magic systems are sword and sorcery. Right. Magic okay. Systems. So, what what's yeah, your so, definition of sword and sorcery then? C- correct me. So the the best thing that I was able to like scrap together through the the limited searching that I did as well is that sword and sorcery is more so a a tone mm-hmm. of adventure not it's it's not it's not based in mechanics and that's why so many people haven't really done a like how do you achieve sword and sorcery in dungeons and dragons mm-hmm. um so it's it's a tone so what that means is your magic is like so is a soft magic system so like you said like uh like the chairface said in uh, our patreon he asked specifically um like do you need a level cap mm. are are certain classes off limits right because if you have a wizard in your party the whole point of a wizard is that they understand what they're doing with magic yeah it's 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 like math for them that is something that does not exist traditionally in sword and sorcery yeah. all of your magic is um like kind of like voodoo-esque um dark like typically speaking anyone who performs magic is a bad guy right because it's 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 like evil like that you can't get magic unless you've made a deal with or like worship some evil entity yeah okay so if we're this is the thing i think and this is why we say we're probably going to be quite controversial today because Mm -hmm. to make it work you're gonna have to break those rules like just hands down, there's no way you're not gonna not break those rules. So I think we need to define what sword and sorcery would be inside D and D, and it's not gonna be exactly right because it it can't be. Um, I would say then for D and D sword and sorcery, we'd have a low magic world where the players are probably the most amount of magic that any npc has seen in a long time if we want to keep all of the classes in um and well i think we get to races and things after that um let's let's start with magic let's let's bite size it let's make it easy so the big thing then for me is first and foremost D is a big collaborative experience if you're going to do this do the party want to play a sword and sorcery style game that's a hundred percent correct right so in every game of dungeons and dragons you need to be willing to tell your players no yeah right even that even that's a controversial subject but we all do it right so if someone came to your table and said hey i'm not interested in any of the classes in the player's handbook i want to be a spartan from halo yeah (laughs) you might be you might say yeah you i'm gonna say no (laughs) so we're we're all already saying no in in our games um i think i think that what what is controversial is when you start saying no to things that are in the player's handbook Mm. um so yeah so to achieve that like low magic you're probably going to want to if you if you want to keep it easy and say as few no's as possible like stay to the lower levels i'd say yeah so i think yeah the one thing i can foresee being the issue is that you you want to set your whole campaign in that sort of sorcery feel i think to 
traditionally with D&D, especially when you get to those higher levels, you sort of, we, obviously we've got the tiers of play. Once you get to sort of that fifth level, you're kind of going into being heroes. And then it's like, then you're savers of the realm. And then you're like in that god tier kind of ridiculous powerful. And I think if you want to run a sword and sorcery campaign, you need to, first of all, have your sword and sorcery homebrew world or have your version of the Forgotten Realms that is sword and sorcery or however you're doing it, because you could do it anywhere. It's just a tone at this point. Start at level one, but then when you get to level five and you really start, you know, those third level spells for wizards and and things and those um, paladin smites and stuff. If you're using those classes, it's at fifth level when you start going, okay, now we're getting into the higher fantasy kind of god level stuff rather than waiting until you get to 13th or 15th or 14th level because it's going to come in that much quicker. Definitely. Yeah, like, uh, I think I think it's all, if you want to play a sword and sorcery campaign, like you alluded to right at the beginning, it's all about expectation mm. setting. So your expectation setting is, hey, when you're paging through the player's handbook and deciding what class you want to play, don't look at any of the abilities past sixth level. Mm. Like, fifth level is our 20th level mm. in this campaign setting. And once once we kill the the final bad guy at fifth level, that's when we're retiring characters. And if we want to play in this world again that's where we pick up with new characters so i think with that then and i think there'll be a lot of people who'll go oh well i don't want to play a campaign that's only one to fifth level but i think if you want to play a sword and sorcery campaign that's how you're going to get that vibe because we all know that first level first to third level can be very very hardcore like it's so easy to go down in those levels and just drop and lose a pc um yeah but also there's that thing of like, oh, well, I can't fight many creatures in that level because they're all like goblins or kobolds or, or or you gain 300 XP and you very quickly level up. Like within a first session, you're at level two. So it's then all about changing those hurdles. Run it milestone or just rewrite the XP levels for yourself, like the, the boundaries. And work out, okay, I want to run sword and sorcery and I want them to be fighting people because people are the scariest monsters in the world like that's the theme you're going for great there's loads of npcs that go up against those levels that are humanoid humans elves dwarfs if you're using them if you want to use creatures that are i don't know let's say you want to put your your characters up against a frog hemoth in a sudden sorcery game at third level because it's like they've got to the point where they've begun to explore the world of the dark magic or however you're, you're running it Take that Frokima stat block and just pull it down. Less HP, less actions. Downgrade the damage dice. Like These are all things you can do to make sure that you still have access to everything inside the monster manual and inside things like Volos and Modern Canons to go big, but small. That's that's an oxymoron, but you, you kind of get where I'm coming from, yeah? Absolutely. I would say that a common misconception that you would probably get from someone... Uh, so say someone were to come up to you and say, I prefer sword and sorcery D&D. The misconception that you could pull off of that person is, oh, they like playing low level D&D. Yeah. That is is wrong, right? Like I would not recommend sword and sorcery for an inexperienced group, dungeon master and also players, uh, because you're going to need to be doing so much prep, so much work to maintain the the gritty tone and feeling. You won't be able to fall back on the players pining for their next level up because you're going to need to slow down the pace of level ups you're you're going to need to play a much more um 
gritty careful mm. what was that yeah or, it's gonna need yeah. to be gritty it's gonna need to be crunchy um the players are going to need to have more than just their abilities to keep them engaged in the game they need to be like really excited about how their characters are interacting with the world because they're not getting awesome crazy abilities as frequently yeah for sure and i think yeah the I mean, are we, it's a D&D podcast, so I shouldn't say maybe D&D is not the system for you. But I know that there probably are other systems out there that will do this a lot better. But there's there's a lot of time and commitment taken to read all the rules to run a new system, let alone bring a whole new group in. So if you're trying to do it in a system you already know, I mean, look at, for example, the Star Wars 5e conversion that's free and exists online. Like if 5e is the game you know how to run and you don't have the time to learn a new one, systems and reskins like that are the way to go. So um looking at chairface's question about making uh, character classes off limits personally i don't like that idea because i don't really want to limit and as you said before you know that's where you get controversial about saying no to the player's handbook but if you've got that experienced party and you, you're thinking oh, i want to do sword and sorcery but i want to go to level 20 then i mean it's going to be a lot more work i would suggest sticking with martial classes um maybe look at things like i think the rune knight would be a good example of a good sword and sorcery class because you've got that fighter who has a little bit a very small amount of magic like oh i i know that in ancient times the giants wrote these symbols on swords and i've learned them and i don't really i know the magic i don't understand it but i know that if i write this this number on my this number this rune on my sword i can swing twice as fast like small very low fantasy kind of bits of magic that you could weave in that still give your players that experience of not just being a fighter the higher level you go and you allow in your game the more specific you're going to be you're going to have to be about what subclasses are allowed or not allowed right so what comes to mind is the elder like all of a sudden you you were saying fighters are totally cool Mm. for sword and sorcerer if you're going up to level five even eldritch knight because you're you're only getting first level spells yeah. as an eldritch knight uh now all of a sudden if you're going up to 15th level you need to start cutting things like the arcane trickster the eldritch knight uh some of the monk mm-hmm. classes you get some like pretty interesting uh abilities uh with like um if you had like the four elements monk yeah that you need to start cutting you could do it you the 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 thing here is you on the outset of a sword and sorcery game are going to need to be very transparent with your players that you are going to be saying no a whole bunch to maintain tone because yeah. tone is everything in sword and sorcery if you if like i would not recommend playing uh like a limited rule set without trying to attain that gritty tone cuz then you're just playing low magic and I don't know, that's kind of just less fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I agree. I think if you're just cutting things and you're not maintaining that, that theme, then what's the point? Um, right. And I think that is why it's so key to have players who want to do sword and sorcery, but also know the game and understand why you're cutting those things. And if you've got new players, maybe you've got a new player that comes to you and says, oh, I really want to do, you know, this Conan style game or, or whatever. Like, this is my idea of what I want to play. And you look at that and go, oh, that's sword and sorcery. Then you need to be able to explain to them either why you it won't be like that 
or why it will be like that, but things won't be in. And as long as you've got that knowledge and that understanding and you can coherently put that across, you're going to be treading the safe line of, of understanding how this all works and, and putting that across to your players. Um, I personally wouldn't want to cut a lot of stuff. So I think I would, if I was going to do this, I'd stick to a one to five kind of campaign. And maybe, you know, once we've got to that fifth level and we've done that bad guy, come back to it with the characters at higher levels and look at the differences and, and why it didn't work and maybe or maybe just you know you get to the end of the the campaign and you just go haul out and have some fun and just continue to play as and expand beyond that tone um because you can do that you can have a campaign that starts in sword and sorcery and then you know the story at level five they unlock the thing that's locking away the magic you can you can continue beyond that you don't have to cut it off and, and end it there but what about races and cutting races? Because I feel like, as I do with classes, taking those out takes away a lot of flavour. And I think with races, not just not just playable character races, but actual races you're inter- interacting with as characters, that really does pull that flavour away. Like, not having elves and dwarves feels the shame to me. I'd have them, but have them limited. Yeah, I think... This is going to be controversial. I think Go that for it. this whole episode you, is. I think that you basically pull out all of the races that aren't human. Oof. And what I and I and I agree with you that all of the races add flavor. But I think what we're talking about here is if you're if this is something you're going for and you're taking the time to talk to your players about what you're trying to achieve with tone, mm. like go all the way. Mm. Don't don't go halfway because then you could have just played high fantasy like if you want to play yeah sword and sorcery like do everything within your power to attain that tone if there's a player who wanted to play an elf or a dwarf and like that's their thing and they really want to do it already you shouldn't play sword and sorcery yeah I agree. like in my opinion like you're that's already a sign where after you've had this conversation about the tone you're trying to achieve and that player can only have their fun if they're playing that specific race mm-hmm. that there's nothing wrong with that player at all it just means that your group is not ready to, to play in this yeah. this genre yet because the rest the rest of the campaign is going to be about saying no uh so if 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 your players can't say no or take a no in the beginning that that's a sign yeah that, that, that okay, maybe it's not right let's play yeah exactly yeah i think and and it, it, look at it this way it's the same as if you went to a group and you said i really want to run a game in ravnica and you explained ravnica to your players and they said oh i don't really want to do city exploring i want to do wilderness tracking well then ravnica's not right for you at that point you might come to a point you know after that campaign where they say yeah we've done a lot of, uh, of wilderness exploring. i want to do city now and then you go okay let's do ravnica same with sword and sorcery you might do the high fantasy they've done their elf they've had their player fantasy now they go yeah let's try that let's give it a go um i would say like for me if i was going that route and i was cutting all of those races i would still want to put in like one elf npc so that you can have that That... moment where they're like oh my god we've 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 experienced that small amount of magic that exists in the world you should absolutely have those races exist somewhere Mm. in the world but as soon as one of your players is one of them Mm. it becomes norm it it becomes normal, right? Like, like, and you would say, ah, but it's just one elf. Everybody else can be an, an, a, a human. 
they're, your players are spending 100% of their time mm-hmm. with that elf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, elves are normal <laughs> if, if, that, if there's even one yeah. in the party. That'd be no um, surprise to then finding that one elf that lives in the in the evergreen forest. And What a cliche elf forest name, the evergreen. God, I, right, I promise I'm more right. creative than that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the never The never forest. Because <laughs> the magic is evil. Um, right, right. But yeah, and like, I think that's the same with with goblins i think the one thing that like sword and sorcery does is make low level creatures more exotic because exactly you can have all of those first to third level or first to, well, first to third doesn't really work here because we're expanding the the milestones but first to second level adventures being fighting humans and like dealing with the tax man you know taking from the poor and you know the 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 murderer that's harrowing against the village and then at level two there's like a sighting of this hideous creature and you describe it as a monster and it's like god we've not had monsters like monsters don't exist this it's just fairy tale maybe it's just a another raid of of bandits out in on the on the highway but the the, the characters go and explore and it, it turns out to be this grotesque dark green skinned little humanoid thing with sharp fingernails like think goblin slayer like the anime like they make them scary and then when you fight them at level two it actually is this big experience that's cool yeah that's really cool yeah yeah Yeah, and and i it's it sounds awesome to Mm. me it's something that i want to do Mm. uh i just think that you you need to you need to be very ready for it it's not something that you can pitch to your players and be like and they show up for their first game of Dungeons and Dragons. You're like, this is what we're doing mm. because it's not for everybody. Especially if you're someone who's never played Dungeons and Dragons before. You read through the player handbook. You're like, this is so cool. Yeah. Everybody in their first time reading through the player's handbook is like, I'm gonna get to level 20. I'm gonna be a paladin, <laughs> and then I'm gonna I'm gonna become an angel of death yep. and murder a bunch of people. Yeah. And as a DM who's experienced, and as a player who's experienced, you're sitting there going like. We're never going to get to level 20. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> but you don't want to crush that fantasy for that player, mm. you know? Yeah, I totally agree. But I think yeah. t- taking those, if you really take the small parts and make them something big and fun and scary and interesting, and you can shape yeah. the the way the world views those things. So it's not just goblins or it's not just kobolds. Like how how interesting would that be to experience but then think of it on another level as well what if they get to fifth level and you want to continue on and change the tone a little bit and open up the the magic a bit more and they've heard tell of a dragon like how much more scary and impactful does a very uh, iconic and normal to experience creature become with that kind of lens over your eye it's it it, it opens up a lot of possibilities definitely i mean it in my place where I am right now in my D and D career, dr- killing dragons are like it's like a uh, it's like a scout badge yeah, for me. Yeah. You know, it's like oh okay, I got my adult green dragon here. Yeah. This is from when I killed that young blue dragon, adult red dragon. That one was tough. You know, it's <laughs> like it's it's not like a dragon fight isn't a big deal anymore. Mm. So it's to 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 capture that again for really experienced players. This is how you do it, mm. right? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of option and I think there's a lot of um, like fun stuff that gets opened up with with taking on this tone. But there is one thing that never changes 
um, with all D&D and with all tones and, and campaigns. And that is, Ray, that you need some really, really good dice to, to roll up those characters and to run those encounters. And I don't know if you know this, being someone... Did you, did you like that? Was that... <laughs> I, did you enjoy I that? I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I know. I'm getting better at hiding it. Um, it I don't know if you know this being overseas in the land of the, the US and the A, but uh, there's this really great company here in the UK that ship worldwide. And I think I think even over to the US. Is that right, right? I... I do indeed own a set of Gaius the Green. Oh, wonderful. I have <laughs> them somewhere. Uh, they're hidden dice. away behind my books. <laughs> How are they for you? How have you found your Dice Dungeon dice? They, let me tell you, Ben, they are exquisite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, just, they just roll better than other dice. I think that they're weighted. Whoa, hang on. Hang, no. hang on. No, no. Let's not put any of Sorry, those rumors out. I got carried away. I was. I got pulled into it. They'll never let me. They'll never let me do another endorsement again. No, never ever. Um, they are some really, really good dice. Slander. It's, it is. It's. It's. What is it? It's heavenous. Um, blasphemy. Indeed, blasphemy. Blasphemy. I'll be excommunicated. Yeah. From the uh, the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll be kicked off the Discord server. You're no longer a mod. Exactly. It started well for you, but you know what are you gonna do? um apply for the mod position it's open now uh but no dice dungeon have some wonderful dice some really really nice ones um including so the guys the green set that you've got are part of a uh four set um and the corinne the golden are the set that joe and i named and someone did that is correct did purchase a set the other day using the we speak common code which gets you 10 percent off it's just we speak common when you uh when you check out and uh that uh that that set is actually my favorite set it's um it is right here i I feel bad saying it's my favorite because i love them all but uh, yeah they're really nice they come in a really nice tin and they are actually always changing things so i have two different types of this tin now right because i'm a fanatic and i also have on order a set of the um really nice shadowfell plain resin dice um which ben is is or trending my way soon which are gorgeous and i i want to put them on display so go and have a look at the website have a look around get some really nice dice use the code to get 10 percent off and support the show and they even ship to to the us right how long did it take to get your dice do you think on average i can't remember i kind of like set it and forget it but it wasn't it wasn't as long as i was expecting it to be it, i don't think it was longer than two weeks oh well, that's which good. like is pretty good that's yeah. really good especially with the uk going through its whole weird yeah. eu leaving stuff i mean we've left but like it, nothing's sorted <laughs> it's a mess over here i just imagine that everything's on fire it is by you guys mate yeah. don't go to dover the 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 ports that are there they're just burning down it's it's awful. right right um i i genuinely think we are uh, a few months away from just getting out the old man of war galleys and just doing it the old the old british empire style <laughs> exactly it's oh it's a mess but yeah but it, it doesn't stop dice getting out to you so and that code works everywhere it's not just uk so get some dice dungeon dice guys do it buy buy them all every set all of them there's a few of them now or a bunch of there's them now, loads. So that would be that'd be tough to do i don't think we're allowed to talk about it but i don't know if you've seen the behind the scenes stuff that ben's been putting up on the uh the discord server. i i have i have yes i'm very excited about that hey hey if you're on the if you're on the patreon you get a load of behind the scenes stuff from dice dungeon too just saying um 
So yeah, go and check that out. Go and check out their website and keep an eye out for new things. Um, so sword and sorcery. Let's just get back into it. I'm having too much fun talking about the dice dungeon. Um, I, I want to talk about very specifically then what that if we're doing it one to five. Let's say let's stick with that theme. What that campaign would look like. What kind of story do we tell in sword and sorcery that is different from normal D anD D? Especially if you've never really jumped into it much, how do we plan that out? Because for me, it's and I, I'm I know I'm ringing that old bell. It's all about pacing. It's all about working out where those levels come in, where your big bad really steps up. Because all of that changes if you're just running one to five. All of it. Um, Definitely. And for me, someone who loves magic. I mean, I always play a wizard. I want there to be that magic, but I want it to be a very quiet undertone all the way through until that point where okay here's the magic or you've experienced that one elf or you found that one dwarf blacksmith in this city or you you finally found out the big bad is trying to resurrect his wife and in so is unleashing a curse across the land like that kind of stuff like i want there to be that climactic you shall not pass moment you experience the magic and then it goes away again um yeah yeah what what do you think so go for it I have a few thoughts. So sword and sorcery as a genre, mm-hmm. like uh, like a part of sword and, sor- sword and sorcery is that the stories are shorter, uh, which which is kind of interesting. Um, they're novellas, mm-hmm. typically, where you don't get all that much character introspection. So if you wanted to really graft the kind of uh, the literature onto your D&D world, then that probably means that your pacing doesn't actually have to be all that slow. Mm. Um, You could probably, it would be like a level one to five adventure rather than a level one to five campaign. And you would just be signed up for the idea that, yeah, this, this is going to be a shorter campaign. Mm. It's going to be, it's going to be short, sweet, well, like parceled up. Which is quite nice as well, because like you can do a, you can do, Lost Minds, the start set one to five in like five or six sessions. Yep, that's um that that's a really nice little bite sized game of D and D, and and one would say maybe perfect for like I don't know uh, a podcast that wanted to do some actual play in short form. You could say that. You could one say might that, say. One might say. Um, so that's that's given me ideas, but uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's nice. That's a nice way of looking at it. That's a really nice way of doing it. And I think if you if you look at it that way, you can still have that character development. It's just not going to be the you know, the the nice neatly tied up bow. So maybe when you're making your sword and sorcery characters or you're working with a party for them to make their characters, you say, "Give me an idea of their history already." Yeah, you're level 1, but what have they been doing because they've been living in this world? Um and think about where they will go back to. And what what their lives might look like in the future before this adventure happens, and then after it, because then you can keep bringing these characters back in as well with different adventures. Like, yeah, okay, the worst thing I think the worst thing to do is to ask your character, your players, to take a character and de-level them for another campaign. But you could do it. Oof. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could do it, or you could just have an adventure that's a whole adventure. You know, maybe three sessions that's level one, and then a whole adventure that's level two, and and elongate it that way if you didn't want to tell them to de-level because i would do that as a player yeah. if i was trying to go for this thing i'd be down for that definitely i think i think that 
I think that any player would be down if they had played enough uh anywhere like levels between 5 to 15 cuz then they know that they're not they're not missing out really like cuz until you've played those levels you can't wait to get to them yeah you know you're like you're like D will be just that much better when i'm once all powerful yeah <laughs> right right cuz and and that's definitely a thing that's the way that i felt until i played at that tier mm. and then i was like ah oh, like it's harder it's harder to tell a compelling story at that level because yeah. you're you're so worried about all your options. You have so many options and the balancing that, as well, and the balancing that you you it, the the game becomes ungrounded, mm-hmm. right? Like it, you have to worry so much more about the mechanics that you start to worry less and less about the story. So, I think I think that most experienced players would be excited by kind of the idea of a challenge. And if you're ever someone, if you're someone who knows a bunch about the mechanics about D&D, it's hard to convince yourself to play a non-spellcaster. Yeah, yes. Because you just know that they're like, they're just, just top tier, better. just top tier, <laughs> all the way around. They're, <laughs> they're just better, uh, particularly at the higher levels. But if you're, if you're, if you take a look at everyone at the table and say, hey, we're all gonna do sword and sorcery Mm. now all of a sudden it's like okay i don't have to worry about being under effective by choosing the fighter and i think as well this is the kind of game where character builds just don't matter like you just don't need to think about it you just have fun just pick a base class and go with it oh he disagrees I think they matter even more. Really, you're playing you're playing some lethal D and D. See, at see first that's and second the thing. Level. I love lethal D and D. I I thrive right. on that stuff, and I think give me a base me class too. that can die. <laughs> me too, but you. So if we're talking about not worrying about builds, mm. where are you putting that negative two modifier that you like happen to roll, or that negative one modifier? Not in your Constitution score. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you need every single hit point that you can get your hands on yeah. at those level i suppose um, i suppose but i think like what what i mean then if i if i jump back into what i was saying is that when when i think about building a character like a character build i often my brain goes to that place where they say oh i'm going to be this multi-class into this and it really comes online at this level like that stuff goes mm-hmm. out the window that stuff doesn't matter yes. unless you know that you're build comes online i hate that phrase i just hate that phrase it's just something in me doesn't like it um if you know that it comes online at level two then fantastic go for it but i think for me i'd be so inclined to be like i'm gonna play the fighter and i'm gonna really build myself into that trope um yeah and and go that way with it yeah i think i think definitely and then if if the thing that's stopping your players from wanting to play at low level Mm -hmm is that they feel like they won't have enough options like you you there are things there are levers that you can pull to give them more options right so you could say okay we're all going to play level one but you all get to choose three feats or something like crazy and then you choose obviously it's a shorter list of feats magic initiate is like one of the examples of feats that aren't in there yeah maybe you cut lucky maybe you don't maybe that's like maybe that's a really cool fantasy for your player where they're playing the like the typical guy it's just his whole thing is that he's super lucky yeah it's like that's kind of fun like that matters in sword and sorcery uh maybe he's like a gambler or something like that or i like gambit um, style 
I like that idea that that all that works. Like all the feats really matter as well. Like give them the option because if you, I mean, it kind of doesn't really matter if you say, you know, the only class you can pick is human, and everyone goes, well, I'll pick variant then and take a feat. Um, but if you're saying, okay, you're going to start with two or three feats anyway, that means they can they can build a level one character that is a crossbow expert or a weapons master expert and not worry about losing that plus one to their to every stat because level one and two are so brutal so that is a nice way i mean you're gonna have to think about how you're gonna run that game then and and it gives you a little bit of extra math and homework to do when you're balancing and building your encounters but hey you're doing that when you get past level five anyway so what's the real difference there yeah and if you're playing with an experienced group let's be real you're not throwing uh like cobalt club generated encounters at your group they're gonna they're gonna eat it alive no matter what level they are like if you're if you're and if and if you're playing with flanking maybe in sword and sorcery you throw flanking in there because everybody's a martial character it's like yeah we're gonna get this is gonna be super war gamey when we get into combat um if that's then (laughs) yeah yeah then you are not building encounters vanilla encounters you are being very specific about and very tailored in your encounter building already i mean look i threw an air elemental at you guys at level one last week so you don't need to tell me that and we and we uh well i think it was it was resistant right to magical damage instead of immune Mm. we threw fairy fire on it right away because we knew that like i think wes missed fairy fire and then i was like that's a good idea. I'll try that <laughs> too. We, we just started spamming fairy fire because it was a single target enemy that we needed to kill. And our highest damage dealers were all our martial mm-hmm. characters because they're fairly optimal first level martial characters from like a damage dealing perspective. So right away, we had never played together or I had never played at level one with this group. And we were like, how can we really start pumping up mm-hmm. our damage output? Yeah. We, we and you coped. zeroed in on it right away. I mean, I did, yeah. did nearly kill Sam, but that's just because I, I wanted to pick on him. Um, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> it was clear. You were, you were like, who should I attack this round? Sam. Sam. <laughs> Sam. This round, uh, Sam. Sam. <laughs> um, but he had the most hit points. It's fine. Um, I, I did pick up on that. I was like, Ben doesn't want to track our specific number of hit points. So he knows that he's like pretty safe by going after Sam because he also you weren't risking taking out our only like healer mm. by going after Sam. As I well. did nearly kill Phoebe Sorcerer. That did yeah, nearly happen. Did. That did nearly happen. Um, you almost had to move out of your house. Oh, oh yeah, it would have been after all of the character building she'd done. I I wouldn't be here today. Um, but it's okay. It's fine. We're good. Uh, everything's. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. But but my point <laughs> is, you can throw those big beefy encounters at level one parties if you're if you're running with this kind of all saying, hey, you can throw in those meat grinder rules as well to really cement in that that feeling of oh, there's no magic to help us live through this. Um, Definitely. You know, maybe just take out resurrection magic. Again, we're talking about. I mean, if you're playing at low levels, it's not even there. That's right? true. I mean, yeah, but even in NPCs as well, like it's just not an option. It doesn't exist in the world. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great to me. That sounds very in line with the tone. This is of the um, genre as well. All of this is like so against my like core. I'm like, I love high fantasy. Yeah. Like, yeah, put me up against beholders and mind flayers, like uh, heavy right. metal de- devils and driving through Avernus on war machines. Like, I love all that stuff. 
but talking about this gets me really excited to play like a really hardcore like difficult like uh like dark souls dnd <laughs> like what a, yeah. what a weird comparison but like that's that's what i'm feeling interesting question because it's in the back of my mind do you class the witcher as sword and sorcery because they have sorcerers in the witcher they have casters but when i read the books especially when you read like the original like the last wish and um sort of destiny like those novella short stories a lot of those feel very sword and sorcery except for like the ones that have a dragon in them obviously do you know what i mean yeah so the thing the thing that makes the witcher not sword and sorcery Mm. is the thing that makes the witcher what it is Mm. and that is that the witcher knows he's kind of he kind of just like he knows he's studied in monster hunting yeah monster hunting as a concept is not like a profession mm. in in the sword and sorcery uh genre right yeah. so so that's what makes it not the fact that he isn't just a guy with a sword like your your typical everyday uh like lumberjack yeah. who like picks up a sword yeah and and has to go fight against evil because that's another big part of the genre as well it's fish out of water mm. a lot of sword and sorcery stories are like this person was pulled from our world and dropped into this other planet. The Witcher isn't that because magic is mundane to the Witcher. Mm. It isn't unknown and scary. It is a known entity. And that's what makes it so scary for uh, for that world is they know how scary this stuff is yeah. and, and they can prepare accordingly. So yeah. it would be fun then for me to, as a DM running Sword and Sorcery, I'd want to put in a a character, an NPC that the players can come across that has all of that knowledge. Like, put in that monster hunter Geralt of Rivia, right. who then pulls the characters out of their normal lives and says, no, no, right. no, you need to come with me and help me slay this um, I don't know, zombie ogre or something. Just something like, but it's, this is the thing and with, with the theme, it's not just going to be a zombie ogre. It might be a stat block of a zombie ogre, but it's not you're not going to describe it that way right you know it's not just oh i know what we're fighting we're fighting a zombie ogre and it's got x amount of hit points right it's got to be weird and uh you you can't you can't it's got to be unknown that's the whole thing it's it's uh and then another big part of the genre too is that the heroes tip that this is like genre defining the the heroes are not heroes they're typically just trying to get home or they are uh motivated by like self for selfish reasons they are not the they are not uh generous in any way yeah they're not going out and fighting monsters to save the village they're going out and fighting this monster to get something for themselves Hmm. so i just want to go back to the original topics just to make sure we are hitting everything here um oh yeah, yeah yeah so i think then this does work in 5e it just takes a lot of work like it takes a lot of work and like to your point pulling out all of the races other than humans people use that as a crutch mm-hmm. a lot of the time to be like my world is diverse look there's a dwarf over here it's like the fact that your characters are different races does not make those characters interesting mm-hmm. if you've played even like five hours of dungeons yeah. and dragons yeah because you can walk uh, in a city it- and there's just like a tabaxi over there and Right. Yeah. It's like the the first time you've seen the if you've seen that once, then you're like, oh yeah, 
they're like everyone's a, it's like a halloween parade yeah you know it's so so you you do need to do more work to make this to make this setting actually work work talking to your players and making sure it's something that they're excited about work for yourself um doing kind of like the the background research that's necessary to like not miss something that is like so special to the tone and a lot of work making your characters interesting in ways that are not your typical kind of just like oh i pull this out of the book and it's interesting because of what it is you really need to kind of you need to you need to write characters yeah and and make them interesting yeah it's an exercise to to improve being a storyteller i think and um it's one i the more we talk about i really want to do which is um frustrating because i do not have the time um the only other thing i wanted to touch on was magic items as well because i think there's Mm. and, and really really quickly because there are so many magic items there are so many really great ones big ones um i think i would be inclined to only have like the common magic items from Xanathar's Guide and like have them very few and far between as well. Like things like, yeah, you... oh, you find someone and they've got a smoke of a uh, pipe of smoke monsters. Like that's like a fun little novelty thing, but it's like, oh my God, it's dark and scary because it's magic and we don't understand it. Like, yeah, I mean, grant plus ones and things to weapons if they need them, if you're going to level and balance for that, but do it in a non-magical way. Like, oh, they, they sharpen their sword and they get a plus one. Exactly. Or this is a great opportunity to get really granular. It's like, oh, this is a really great, this is a mastercraft sword. Mm. What does that mean? Oh, well, it's it's not magical, but it gives you a plus one to hit. Mm. It doesn't give you a plus one on damage. And all of a sudden, because they're low levels too, these things, they start to covet these things. Yes. It's, it's like you start to pull in weapons that maybe have the bludgeoner feet on them you know what i mean so it's like oh my god this is this is powerful and and then your monsters that resist non-magical damage are that much scarier yeah because you don't have a spellcaster in the party and 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 then silvering your weapons is something that you start to look into to do because like there isn't a plus one Mm. sword for sale at like the corner store there's a really good dm skill product that i use in my games and i've actually um just got you to got your copy to read through because we're going to be using it in toa um called i think it's heavy arms um i forget the full name but it's a system that implements the ability to upgrade and improve standard weaponry but also there's a runic system to it so you can add like magic to the items but the the actual core like i'm gonna sharpen my sword and i'm going to serrate the edges and i'm going to silver it to make it affect magical creatures like that kind of system would thrive in sword and sorcery and you can make it work by either putting it in and making the costs a lot cheaper so that it's more accessible to low level characters or by just having magic items be items that are just improved mundane items right yeah i think i think that the the point here is that your your low level D doesn't have to be low option yes D&D. that's a great way of putting it yes fantastic absolutely 100 percent. oh dude yeah i want to do this now me too <laughs> I wanna play, really badly. Wanna play this game <laughs> I, was, I was i was looking into sword and sorcery uh as like, like deeply as i could and i was like no another thing <laughs> that i need to do <laughs> yeah and like it's so different as well because i'm not only am i um 
sitting here like prepping and building a whole campaign guide for Spelljammer, which is so far yep. removed <laughs> from Sword and Sorcery. I'm now sitting here thinking, holy shit, yeah. I could run a Sword and Sorcery game and it would be like meaty and grindy and hardcore. Right. And I know there's going to be people who are like, well, if you want to do that, why don't you just play this system? And I'm like, yeah, great. But I it's, don't have the that's... time to learn that. That's a popular response rebuttal yeah. right now, uh, like on Reddit and stuff like that. That's like that's the go-to. It's like ah, I'm 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 woke in board games. Is there are more RPG games than just Dungeons and Dragons? You know? oh it's yeah, like, yes, but we're not gonna learn them all. Yeah, like I I really want to play The Witcher RPG. I really right. wanna, I really want to play Cyberpunk Red. Since Joe started talking to me about it like two weeks ago, like I want to yeah. give that a go. I just don't have the time to not only learn it myself, but learn it for other people and teach other people right. too. Right. Um, like I ran Ryutama hmm. for Melissa and, and her friends, and that was really fun. But it took a long time to be able to like run another system. Yeah. Yeah, man. Okay. There's a lot here. And I think the takeaway is absolutely you can go and do this. But, yes. but you got to put the effort in and you got to make sure that everybody wants it. I think that's the main takeaway. Um. Definitely. Everybody's got to be on board. But but do it. Do it and tell me about it. I want to know how it goes. You know? I want to know. Yeah. And I want to play in those games. So, um, yeah. Run. You don't have the time. I don't have the time. You're lying I was going to be like, I was gonna be like <laughs> run one for me, but I don't have the time. <laughs> Zero time. <laughs> no time. <laughs> Ray, um, thank you so much for coming on having a chat. This has been awakening, because now I know I want to play this game. Um, and I know that you do a lot of this kind of stuff that we're doing right now yourself. So do you want to tell people about that? Of course. Yeah. So Ben actually inspired me and my buddy Ariel to start our own uh, podcast, amateur podcast. <laughs> so That's what this we're what a this few is. <laughs> episodes. Yeah. Yeah. We're a few episodes uh, behind you guys. Uh, we, we've only had come out with about three at this point, but we are uh, running off the rails. And uh, you can find us at Running Off the Rails on any of your uh, your podcast apps of choice. But we're also findable at runningofftherails.com. Amazing. Fantastic. Well, go and go and big up a new show because, I mean, that's what I needed. That's what Joe and I needed when we started. So go and do that. Go and listen to it and share it and, and also share this one, please. Thank you. Um, Ray, thank you so much. If you want to get involved with this show, you can. Uh, we speak common at hotmail.com is the email. At we speak common on Twitter and on Instagram now as well. That is a thing. Um, you can go to wespeakcommon.com to find all of the links for everything, including YouTube, Patreon, um, where to listen, every single place. It's all on there. Um, and you can find that on the Twitter bio too. And if you want to jump in on the Patreon, you get access to the Discord. You make this continue to happen. And uh i haven't said it anywhere but i think today i'm releasing a new character class for patreon members to grab so go and see if that's there hopefully it will be go and have a look um ray thank you so much i will uh enjoy playing DD with you tomorrow in the time that we're recording yeah if your computer works please don't remind me oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay see you later mate see you Thanks for listening today. If you like the show, do us a favor, leave us a like and review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. Send us to your fellow DMs and players so that we can build our community even more. It really helps to get us out in front of more eyes. If you want to support the show, you can by joining our Patreon. 
Links can be found in the show description and the episode descriptions on all platforms. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82. It's licensed under a Creative Commons license by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. <laughs>